Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. I am a religion recovery coach who helps people with life after religion. And this podcast allows people to share their stories of abuse and religious trauma in various religions and cults. Some guests come on the show to discuss specific topics to educate and bring awareness. Discussions will range from purity culture, mental health, religious trauma, Christian culture, deconstruction, spirituality, and much more. Now, let's get into this episode of Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Hello, everyone. This is Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger, and I am beyond excited to have Rachel Bernstein on my podcast today. She is, as most of you know, she is my boss, (laughs) and (laughs) she is the host of the Indoctrination podcast, and this is part of a little cross-promotion idea that we have had. I've been really trying to get Rachel to share her personal story. And I've been super excited. I know a lot of people are curious to hear that, but for people who don't know who Rachel is, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she is also one of the top cult experts in the world. She's been helping people escape and heal from cults for over 30 years. And she's made several media appearances to educate people on cults. She's appeared on BBC World News, uh, The Doctors, MSNBC, The Stars documentary, Seduced, um, The Hillsong documentary on Discovery Plus, and many more appearances. And her work has also been featured in Cosmopolitan, Bloomberg, LA Times, Chicago Tribune, and so much more. Um, Like I said earlier, she is the host of the Indoctrination Podcast, which covers cults, manipulators, and systems of control. And she is here today to share her personal story. And I think, is this the first time you're officially sharing your personal story? Uh, Hi, yeah. I mean, I I get asked here and there what Uh caused me to be interested because I was not in a cult myself. Mm -hmm. Um, so that does intrigue people about why Mm -hmm. I would choose this, um, because it's so specific. Um, Yes, it is. Uh, but no, a whole show devoted to me talking about me is, uh, that is highly unusual for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, even in a conversation, usually after a sentence of me talking about me, I said, but what about you? Tell me about you. I need to shift, have the the spotlight on someone else. Right. (laughs) Um, so we'll see, we'll see how I handle this, Uh, but yeah, no, this is, this is the first one Mm. just for, for me to talk about me. So it's kind of cool. And I'm kind of curious to see, Mm. you know, as, as you talk also, you get insights even about yourself. Mm. Uh, so I'm kind of excited for that possibility. Okay. Awesome. So I think the thing that people are really interested about is like, what was your upbringing like regarding religion, how that influenced your life and who you are today? Mm -hmm. Right. So it was an interesting thing. I grew up uh, in a Jewish family and have raised my kids 
uh, in the Jewish religion. It's an interesting thing. A lot of people call Judaism a faith. It's actually not a faith uh, because it's not so much about mm -hmm. faith. Yeah. It's, uh, I was raised with this idea of um, what my rabbi would call predicate theology, which is the action step. Now that you sort of have learned what is a good way to be in the world, what's right and what's mm -hmm. wrong, what are you yeah. going to do? What are you going to do with that? Yeah. And how are you going to fix things? And how are you going to put that into practice? Not just in sort of a, a passive way of mm -hmm. having faith or um, waiting for something to come your way. So how do you make it happen? You know, mm -hmm. and to use religion as a guideline for what direction to go in and again how to how to really define your conscience and your moral code and your ethical code mm. but then how you intertwine that with the decisions you make in your life for yourself mm -hmm. and for the world yeah um so yeah i was raised with uh going to jewish day schools going to um Jewish summer camps, but, you know, all with a very traditional bent, but also egalitarian. It was an interesting mix mm, um, yeah. where boys and girls were equal. And um, but still, I learned a lot about the prayers and learned a lot of Hebrew mm. um, and uh, and then raised my kids in in the same sort of way, not pushing it, but just offering mm -hmm. it and to yeah. see mm -hmm. how much they, how much they liked, how much spoke to them. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's been different for my different kids. Yes. And so what is your faith like now? Because I know you're an atheist. Is that true? I think, right? Yeah. I mean, it, mm -hmm. it's an interesting thing to classify yourself in, in a realm mm -hmm. where I feel like we know so little. I mean, mm -hmm. that that's my sense that things were made mm -hmm. to be seen. Um, mm -hmm. And in fact, I remember talking to my mom who will soon be 90. Um, oh, wow. uh, yeah, I was the, my dad used to call me the caboose in the family. I came way mm -hmm. later. So I had older, <laughs> oh, no. older parents. Um, mm -hmm. Um, but I remember standing with her in her garden and she said, it's amazing what God has created. And I thought, I don't even really see it that way. It's very interesting. Mm. And I oh. said, she said, well, then what, who created this? And I said, I actually don't know, but I'm okay with not knowing. Mm. And maybe one day we will know, and it'll probably blow our minds, Yes. And, but I feel, and this is not at all to offend. This is just my personal mm -hmm. view yeah. that we don't have the answer yet. And no. the mm -hmm. idea of God was something that was created by humans, not mm -hmm. believing that God created humans. Mm. Yes, so that's so true. I mm -hmm. see it the other way around. Yeah. Oh, uh, yes, I love that. And like, that's the thing about a lot of religions. It's so hard for people to accept that, like, oh, like, I've told people when they've asked me what I believe since I've left religion, they're like, what do you believe? I'm like, I don't really know. Like, I don't think we can know a lot of those things. They're like, oh, how can you be happy? How can you feel secure? And it's really telling mm -hmm. when people tell you that, how mm -hmm. they put so much emotional dependency on that and how that's foundational to their being. And for me, I maybe it just has to do with personality types and different life circumstances. But for me, I don't feel like I have to cling to a certain belief system. Like I always want to be, learning and you know and i feel like if there's something that contradicts what i believe of the world then i'll change my beliefs or my perspective that's just how i want to be i want to be adaptable 
And so I'm just curious, at what age did you feel like, was that the first time when you talked with your mom, when you started questioning it or did you question before that? Well, when I was younger, I did believe in God. I remember feeling mm-hmm. when I was in synagogue, I was praying to God at night. I would pray to God. Mm-hmm. If I was nervous about something, I prayed to God. And then I started hearing all these stories that just didn't quite come together for me, mm-hmm. like raised with so much um, Holocaust history. Mm. And a lot of people grappling with uh, trying to figure out where God was, mm. you know, if yeah. these are your quote unquote chosen people, I'm like chosen for this. Like, what, what uh, is that? What does wow. that mean now? Mm. And yeah. also, if if God is there, why would God let this happen? Mm. And how do mm. we answer those questions? So it stopped being able to be something that could easily be applied once I started finding mm-hmm. out about people suffering and what was happening unabated, that people had opportunities, even the presidents had opportunities to intervene and didn't, you know, didn't mm. bomb the railroad tracks going to the yeah. concentration camps just because politically it wouldn't have been a good idea. Uh, Where was God there mm. sort of sort of guiding their hand to do the right thing? And um, and then uh you know, having Passover seders, which I mm-hmm. I have been leading since my dad passed away when I was young, the torch was given to me to lead them. Mm-hmm. And I remember being asked a lot, well, okay, so, you know, Jews were slaved for 400 years, African Americans slaved for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, where was God? And mm-hmm. I, when yeah. there wasn't a, a kind of an answer to the question and the answer felt mm, forced, like, well, that was to help people have a sense of themselves or to really mm-hmm. ha- cultivate this feeling of a need for freedom. I thought, oh, that sounds like BS. Like, that's just like, so, <laughs> that should make yes. sense of something that where the answer doesn't quite fit. It was like, you know, square peg, round hole theology to me in that moment. I thought, mm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, so I thought, well, you know what, why don't I just shelve that for a while and think that maybe there isn't kind of an order to things mm. and a reason for everything. And maybe there's happenstance and chaos and um, things that just happen for no reason at all. I remember also, mm-hmm. it was a long answer, but I remember my my rabbi one time being asked, you know, why me? Why, why did I get cancer and my sibling not? Or why mm. was my house blown over in this storm, but not my neighbors? And what did I do wrong? And uh, I remember him talking about how nature doesn't have a conscience. The nature is nature mm, and it, it yeah. runs parallel to human beings, but it does something bad doesn't happen to you because of you. Mm. And also something good doesn't happen to you in terms of nature, <laughs> like that your house stayed yeah. up because of mm. you, uh, that we could be parallel forces being humans mm. and having nature around us. Uh, and so then you know, that also sort of pushed God a little bit farther away. I don't think that was his mm. intention, but yeah, I thought, okay, well then there, there isn't um, predestination and, mm-hmm. you know, there is randomness and mm-hmm. there are some people who are much more comfortable with that 
than others. Um, mm. I also know that there are times in people's lives where they go back to belief. And it could be that if I'm going through a very hard time or an illness, God forbid, right? I even mm -hmm. say God forbid, but that's just an expression. <laughs> um, that I might start praying to God, like, fine, you know, mm -hmm. jury might still yeah. be out that if there's a God or not. And it's more like, why not? Which is very Jewish, like, why not? Uh, <laughs> like, just in case. So, uh, I'm kind of all over the place with it, but I guess my sense right now in my life is that it, I don't need it and it doesn't mm. make sense to just answer the question that way. Mm. Yes. That's so interesting. Cause like when I've talked to different people who've deconstructed their belief systems, they're like the answers they gave me weren't satisfying anymore. Mm. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I see with what you're saying. You're like, they gave me these answers, so they weren't satisfying. I didn't mm -hmm. buy into it. Yeah. And it's really interesting too how you're talking about the nature thing because I think honestly what your rabbi told you was a, a healthy way to look at it um, because I feel like if you and even I'm sure you know you've seen this in different cultic environments and with different spiritual teachers of like you know if something good happens to you you know you you attracted it through your vibrations, but then if something bad happens to you, that also falls on you too. Right, right, so there's yeah. so much toxicity and believing that, oh my gosh, like this, this thing happened to me for, or I was, I sinned in air quotes, I sinned and this happened to me. Blah, blah, blah. So like, there's so much pressure put on people if they feel like if they don't do everything perfectly or what their religion says, then if they don't, then, you know, they're fucked up basically and so yeah right and like to me i know i don't know a lot about judaism but i know y'all use the old testament of like mm -hmm. what i remember and so for me i grew up in the independent fundamental baptist we would use you know old testament and new testament and what confused me as a child was that how you know we have job here who is supposedly the most righteous man and God lets all these terrible things happen to him. And then you have these people, you know, in air quotes that are sinning. And then these terrible things happen to them too. So it's like in either situation, it's kind of like you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no matter. So like to me, that was just so toxic because, you know, long story short, there was an instance of a terrible storm that came through. I think it was called like a microburst. But it like destroyed, thankfully it didn't hurt my house, but like it nearly ripped the roof off of my house and like it knocked down seven trees in my yard. Mm -hmm. Like it was really bad and it was just out of nowhere. And it only happened to our yard and like, you know, my parents are super religious and still are. And my mom, she interpreted it as like, oh, like God was testing us and we're safe. We're fine now. And like, the thing is like, you know, what if the house was destroyed what right, if someone right. was killed they would have said something like oh well, i guess it was god's will like it was their time to go or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. so like no matter what happens <laughs> it always goes back to god which is so interesting how it's really a coping mechanism um mm -hmm. to deal with heart instances of life and like i can see in certain people's circumstances like oh like that can help you through that situation but I've definitely seen certain situations where like, oh, that's really toxic. Like you're not actually grieving at a death of your loved one. You're repressing it and you're using religion to not dig down and to deal with that. And so I know that what, what teaching, were there any teachings in Judaism that you felt like were toxic to you in any way? I'm just curious. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that whole idea, the, the Job story is mm. really problematic. Yes. Um, because what is the lesson there? And <laughs> really, wow. Uh, and so those kinds of teachings were really difficult. I know that there are some teachings too, where as you get more orthodox, and this is, you know, going to happen, I think, in any religion where it mm -hmm. gets to be more about, well, that happened to you because of this, like that, mm -hmm. you know, that, and that's why I'm not orthodox and I'm not putting mm -hmm. down being orthodox. It doesn't work for me to mm -hmm. have these ready-made answers that are victim blaming, I think. Yes. Um, mm. And that's never going to work for me. Um, no. And also the sexism as you get farther mm, along yes. the trajectory. Um, Oof. That's a problem. So, and I remember actually getting into an argument with an Orthodox rabbi. He did not like me very much. <laughs> that, was, that was not even on purpose, but I got so triggered. And I'll tell you that story in a second. Um, and that's why I'm, you know, I, I'm part of other movements within Judaism and not uh, Orthodox. But mm -hmm. there, yeah, I think that there are times that people... Um, have been made to feel like they didn't do something enough or they didn't do it. Like mm. this one story I remember hearing, uh, and this wasn't a, a hmm, biblical story, certainly, but it mm -hmm. was, I remember out of Israel, there was, um, there was a bus, a school bus of kids that went off a cliff. Um, it was oh, a no. mountain pass wow. somewhere near Masada. It was, it, and it was pretty treacherous. And, of course, you know, um, they were all rushed to hospitals. Whoever could survive was mm -hmm. able to survive. But the the Orthodox rabbi within Israel said, well, let's find out where the women who were the chaperones on the bus, what time they had lit the Sabbath candles oh. on Friday night. And if it was the exact right time. And if not, it's because of them that this bus mm. went over this mountain and and in those moments you think really is that what this was for this is this uh, what what religion is for <laughs> to to not have the compassion in that moment for everyone mm, but to look for who is uh, to blame and they're to blame because they didn't follow god's rules i'm sure god had no sense about when you should light the sabbath candles first of all <laughs> candles didn't exist right <laughs> probably at the beginning of the and what is time Right. Yes. Well, so there's a lot wrong with that argument, but mm -hmm. I remember, yeah, getting into an argument with an Orthodox rabbi. I was, uh, I was um, uncomfortable. But um, mm. there, it, within Orthodoxy, there is what's called a minyan, which is a quorum of ten people you're supposed to have when you are praying, so that you mm -hmm. don't have the sense that you are alone. Which I, I, in theory, I like the idea. The problem is that with other parts of Judaism, while it can be um, egalitarian, you can have nine women and one man or whatever it is, five and five, as long as you have 10, it's fine. So I went to a mm -hmm. service invited by someone who was Orthodox and someone came to say the mourner's prayer, which you're supposed to do as part of this quorum of 10. Mm -hmm. And so there were nine men and me. And they told this man who had walked many blocks to get to this place that they couldn't say the mourners, what's called the mourners cottage. They mm. couldn't say the prayer with him because they didn't have 10 people. And oh. I'm thinking, what do you mean you don't have 10 people? I'm standing right here. And a mm. lot of them also didn't know the prayer. I knew it because I was raised oh. in a traditional mm. way and I knew yeah. the prayer. I could have led it, but mm. I wasn't counted. 
And so they turned this person away. Wow. And I thought that like that to me bothers me so because, and what I said to the rabbi was that sometimes you have the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Mm -hmm. And if you can look in with compassion in this person's eyes, you should Mm -hmm. know to switch over to the spirit of the law Mm -hmm. that you're talking about 10 people and I'm Mm -hmm. a person and I should count if you care mm. about helping this person not have to mourn alone, but no, it was about the rules. Oh. And that I, I have a very hard time with because there's mm. it, it, it kind of like circumvents humanity. The what's really mm-hmm. important in that yes. moment and connecting mm-hmm. with someone's heart yeah. and with their needs, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It's, it's putting dogma over humanity. Right. Mm. Right. It was yeah. just really sad. And like, it was interesting. You were using the phrase, the letter of law and spirit of law. Cause my mom, she would actually use that growing mm. up because mm-hmm. she would decipher. And it was interesting. Cause like my dad, he was a letter of the law kind of person. Mm-hmm. And my mother was the spirit of the law, but she did have mm-hmm. some letter intertwined in there. Like she mm-hmm. said, she's spirit only, but she definitely had some letter of the law in there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was interesting because she would always joke and be like, yeah, she's like, the spirit of the law people are more fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> funny. Because fun. yeah, my, yeah. my dad was just, he was so, so strict and just all about the rules. And like, mm-hmm. he just took it to the whole other level. Mm-hmm. And it was just really could be condescending and dehumanizing mm-hmm. um, to different people. Yeah. And right. so as you as you grew up and, you know, you started to see those instances of like, oh my gosh, like this religion is supposed, you know, to show love and compassion, but it's not like, how did you deal with that as you grew older and started to, I guess, kind of go away from that? Right. So what I decided to do was to still have a connection to my tradition as a tradition, mm-hmm. because that's why it's not just considered a faith that, that there is. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can be linked to your Judaism through DNA. So that's more than just faith. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so the fact that there is a certain kind of people, and I did this, the 23andMe, mm-hmm. you know, DNA testing, and I'm a Jewy Jew. I was like 99.9%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yeah, got it. Got the message. Um, uh, but um, I think that what has been interesting is that when when you get older and you realize what matters to you and what matters to me is continuity that the mm. fact that my ancestors were killed because of their religion were persecuted mm. were yeah. put in cattle cars wow. i would feel like it would be wrong of me to kind of just decide to let it die with me if i mm. know people had risked their yeah. lives for this to keep mm. it going because they felt there was something special about it so that's why I have passed on the traditions, but people can mm. believe what they want to believe, but yeah. we're still going to celebrate Hanukkah. We're going to celebrate Passover. Mm. We're going to go to the high holiday services. And, um, and if you say the prayers, you could be praying to mm-hmm. yourself to guide yourself and how to be, you could be praying to God. That's optional to me, but I mm. like that there is this, um, 
sense of what they call in Hebrew, Lador Vador, from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep it going because I have mm -hmm. the freedom to do it. And you never know when you're a Jewish person, when that freedom is going to be taken away. Mm. Wow. Um, okay. So, yeah, I know I have a lot of relatives who sleep mm. with passports under their pillows just from their upbringings so of oh, thrown wow. out of country suddenly because mm. they decided that you, you who's always been in that country is now an enemy. And a lot of other peoples have had that. And I think about Japanese mm. internment camps and, you know, yeah. like sudden, there have been a sudden shift. Like, mm -hmm. Are you really part of this population or not? Are you an American or not? Um, and for someone else to decide suddenly that you're not. So it can put people on edge, certainly. But um, I think what helped, though, is was having a connection to a community mm -hmm. and yeah you know, it kind of led one of my relatives into looking for something else because I think she didn't have that feeling of connection to a community. Mm. Um, and she went searching, found something that turned out to be a cult. And that kind of mm. moved me into this whole, yeah. this mm. whole realm, you know? Yes. And so, you know, since you mentioned that, we'll dig into the next question, which is really like, you know, what inspired you to become a cult expert? And, you know, tell me the personal story behind that. And I know it has a lot to do with your sister. Yeah, so if you could yeah. dig into that situation and how that uh, came about. Right. So what was interesting was that um, while my sister's involvement with a particular group that's very litigious, and I don't know if you want to have to deal with them, so I won't mention mm, them on your Yeah, I got you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're in the news a lot, and mm -hmm. uh, they have some really mean attorneys, so I will yes. keep you from having to deal with them. Mm, thank you. Um, you're welcome. Anytime. Um, <laughs> uh, but what was alarming was to see this person who was so full of life and fun and mm. capable suddenly like shutting down and being very serious and being very secretive mm. and all of the money that she had made. I mean, we were all told to work at a young age. So we had a babysitting counselor camp money, mm -hmm. whatever we did, um, ice cream shop, wherever we would work and save our pennies. And we were raised with a work ethic where if you're, if you want to have a car by the time you're 16, make sure you work towards that. Mm -hmm. Like you're going yeah. to be buying it. No one's getting it for you. So suddenly the money that she had raised through working at, I think IHOP or wherever she had been working mm -hmm. and camp yeah. counseling was gone. And oh. we knew how many years she had worked to collect and money. And I think she was saving up for helping to pay for her college, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and she was lying for one of the first mm. times in her life and not wow. telling my parents where she was going and coming back at, you know, at all hours of the night. And, um, and it was so interesting to see also this sense of, um, what was it almost hubris? Like, um, she knew what was better and she oh. didn't have to explain herself to you mm. and just this entitlement and mm. kind of, I, I, for lack of a better psychological term, kind of obnoxiousness. <laughs> and yeah. that's not who she was, you know? Yeah. And so even though her involvement was short, the thing that probably made the biggest impact, not only was the, the change and the secrecy mm -hmm. and all of that, but when my parents talked to her about why she got involved, she said, 
this is before they knew what it was and they had heard Mm -hmm. it was something that calls itself a church turns out not to be Mm -hmm. it's as much of a church as like the mafia is a church Um, (laughs) and so uh she said oh my best friend from school um you know she's doing her own thing and she you know she's like this independent adult even as a teen and um and she did this so that she could get along better with her parents because she and her parents were mm. fighting all the time. So in that moment too, I learned about how people intervene in different ways and what's more successful than other things because mm-hmm. my mom, through no fault of her own, was very kind of punitive. You can never go back and, you know, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That was not going to work, um, especially for like a 17 or 18-year-old person oh, yeah. who's yeah. told <laughs> what not to do. Hello, mm. It's nothing like a bigger invitation than that. So, but my dad, who had his own way, said mm-hmm. to my sister, would it be okay if we called your friend's parents? And if they agree that this has actually been a good thing, even if we're not happy with how it's gone and we don't like mm-hmm. the secrecy and that all your funds are gone, et cetera, and you've changed in so many significant ways, if this really has helped in family relationships in their family relationship, okay, then we'll consider it. Mm-hmm. So my sister, not knowing that there was anything suspicious yet about this group said, sure. And um, my dad called the parents and I remember he put it on speaker or whatever you could put on. It was like the late seventies. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like a cell phone, but it was yeah. you know, a phone you could put on speaker. Mm-hmm. And um, this, my dad introduced himself, et cetera, and uh, said, you know, it seems like your daughter is doing so well. And even though she's living independently now, you know, she has mm-hmm. this great relationship with you. And there was a silence. And suddenly the mom of this other girl said, where did you see our daughter? And my dad said, I'm sorry, what, what do you mean? I actually haven't seen your daughter, but I know my daughter is friends uh, with your daughter or whatever. She said, we, we, we haven't, we've, we put out a missing persons uh, report. We don't know where she is. And so it was so startling mm, because yeah. the way it had been defined by the group was this is how you get along better with people. This is how you get along better uh, with your family, get along better with your parents by never seeing them again. <laughs> and that actually uh, was startling to my sister. Wow. She didn't know that was going to be the intention. Like that's the trajectory. Mm. Um, so I thought, what the hell is this? And yeah. then we started doing some research, found out this group gets tax exempt status as a church. Mm. Like, really? This is a thing. Oh, and she also dropped out of school because school is not oh, important. No. And, uh, and only going to learning that taking their courses are important. Okay, so that was the first step. I then started learning about cultic groups and what that's mm-hmm. about. Um, it wasn't until later that I expanded my practice to talk to to include people who have been in relationships with narcissists and mm-hmm. other places yeah. that have been these systems of control, like some workplaces, etc., mm-hmm. multi-level marketing, etc. Yeah. Um, But when I went to school, I had already, when I went to undergrad in Boston, I Mm -hmm. had already learned that some of these groups that do a lot of their recruiting on college campuses use front names so that you don't Mm. know what you're getting involved in. And I got to my campus and I saw them there. Mm. 
And I saw these oh. names that I had known about. They mm. were in the, they were listed as student groups within the student union. The school was giving them classrooms to meet in. And eventually, as soon as you get involved in these, you drop out of school, you drop away from society, oh, you drop wow. away from your family. So they're basically there stealing people's children without mm. the school knowing and without the yeah. families knowing. And I thought, oh my God, this is actually bigger than I thought. Yeah. Um, and this can happen right under people's noses. And if you don't know, you don't know. Mm. Um, and then when I went to grad school back uh, at, at USC, um, I think this, well, besides being harassed by this particular group that I was mentioning before that really mm -hmm. did actually light a fire under me, this is the thing that I think really solidified me once I got my counseling degree to really go into this mm. work um, I was supposed to, it was a necessary part of my master's program to um, take a class on how to run a group, a group therapy. Um, and what I found so interesting about this, because I had now learned about cults, I had learned about manipulation, I learned about coercion, I learned about the tactics that are used. I saw it all play out in this college course where if you shared more about some horror stories you had in your past, or you disclosed more, you were liked more, you got a better grade. Mm. The people after the class would come around you and put their arm around you. And if you didn't mm. have horror stories, if you didn't have trauma, if you didn't have anything to share, you weren't liked, you were seated at the back. Mm. Um, no one wanted to get together with you after you were told that you were withholding. You were told that you were, not being an equal participant in the mm. class, like you were put down. And I thought this is so manipulative. Um, mm. And I remember calling a psychologist friend of mine and saying, this is, seems very culty. Like this can happen even within mm -hmm. a major university yeah. where people are actually being kind of caught up in a system mm. where yeah. you are liked more if you conform. Mm -hmm. And you're yes. liked more if you're more damaged or, mm. you know, you're willing to share uh -huh. things with people. You, what? Who are these people? They're mm. in your class. Who cares about yeah. them? Like, why do they need your personal information? Mm. So the psychologist said, are you willing to do an experiment? And I said, yes. Yeah. She said, make something up. This, oh. this person isn't your therapist. These people aren't your best friends. This mm -hmm. is a class. <laughs> make something up and see. Yeah. And so I did, I made, they finally, like they came around. I said, actually, I do have something to share. And I made something up, whatever it was. Mm. Oh my goodness, Rachel. Oh, we knew you had it in you. We knew you could trust this space. And now mm. you're being your authentic self. I'm like, no, I'm not. I totally made that up, but you, whatever, <laughs> but you know, but people are then crying and then they put their arm around me. I was invited out for coffee after my grade oh. went up and I thought, this is what happens in a cult. Wow. Um, that you have, you realize what the rules are that you have to play the game and you mm. have to become this other person, yeah. but also that you have to open yourself up in a way that doesn't feel healthy. That doesn't feel right. And you mm. shouldn't be pushed to do. Um, and so I thought, wow, if this is happening on college campuses, this is happening in a training program for therapists. Hello. Uh, wow. That I, and that's how they're learning how you run a group. 
I need uh, to be out there. I need to be doing this. Mm. And so I just decided it, that at least 70% of my practice was going to be devoted to this work. It's now about mm. 90, <laughs> 95%. Yeah. Um, and uh, I even get surprised when people call me now and they just want to talk about, a, you know, an issue they're having with their teen daughter. And I'm mm. thinking, uh, there's no mothership involved. Like there's no levitation. Like, uh, oh, this yeah. is actually just a regular like therapy mm. thing. Yeah. And uh, I have some of those too, but they're few and far between. Mm. Yeah. So I'm also curious, like, was there anyone in your life that inspired you to succeed at your goals and in this field? Yeah. So, I mean, I came from kind of an activist family where um, my mom would take me to a lot of rallies when I was growing mm -hmm. up. We were constantly making signs. Um, and we always mm -hmm. had poster board and Sharpies and things. We're making signs for this, making signs for that. And I remember getting in the station wagon <laughs> with my mom <laughs> and my dad sending us off and going, don't get arrested. Have a good day. You know? <laughs> okay. So that was that. I was like nine. I didn't even know. I like, he was sort of being funny, but also a little nervous. Mm, I think. Yeah. So was that like, you had to put like, you can't just talk the talk. You have to walk the walk. Mm. That was the lesson I got growing up. And then my dad, who really started to care about this issue because of what was happening, it, it, he could see within his whole own family system that his daughter basically spiritually, emotionally was being kidnapped by a group mm. and he would have yeah. had no idea. Mm. Um, and it was very family oriented. He started speaking at schools and at summer camps and at colleges, whoever would have him talking about this, that this can happen. These are the things to watch out for. Mm. And it really started to matter to him as a, as a, an issue, a family issue, but also like a um, civil justice issue. Like we need to mm. know that there are people out there praying yeah. on, you know, your mm. loved ones. Um, and he would sometimes get harassment from groups at the time. It oh, was wow. the, the Moonies or the Hare Krishna. One of them was, I, Oh, the Moonies. Mm. They were the ones who were oh. intimidating mm. him and we'd get calls in the middle of the night because oh. he'd be talking about them at a talk. And then when I, when he passed, unfortunately, while I was in my graduate program when I was 22. Mm. Um, and when I graduated, I got my degree. I started working at a place in LA that was part of Jewish mm. family service. And it was called the cult clinic. It's now no, longer mm. in existence because of pressure actually uh, oh, by no. Scientology to close it down. They were picketing oh, out in front and no. a lot of things. And Tony Alamo, actually, this other cult leader was always out in front mm. picketing because um, they think they felt threatened. Um, mm. I started getting harassment by, now I can mm. tell my, my particular story about Scientology because yeah. you're allowed mm -hmm. to talk about what happened to you without oh, it being good. illegal. Um mm. So I started getting harassed by Scientology and they were sending people to pretend to be clients. And then I would get a full oh. transcript of the session with a handwritten note at the top that said, we're watching and listening. And I'm thinking, what oh, the hell? Well, what is going on here? Mm. Um, 
And then they filed a report against me to my board. That was one of four. I mean, they've just mm. continued to do that. Wow. And they had people following me. There were these guys who were discredited um, Los Angeles police officers who had been kicked off the force and then were scooped up by Scientology to be oh, PIs for them and to follow no. people and intimidate them. And I had these people <sighs> who, unlike any mm. I'd ever seen face to face, leaning on my car, parked out in front of my house. Um, uh, it, it scared the hell out of me. And I remember staying home for about a week. Mm-hmm. And then I remember, this is before I had kids. And so mm-hmm. I, it was just about me and my safety. Um, once I had kids, I remember laying low also when they were little. And people said, you know, you really need to let people know you do this work and you need to put together a website. And I thought, "Mm, not yet. Like, I'm going to wait till my kids are older so I can actually Mm -hmm. even ask their permission. Like, this is the work that I do. There might be someone parked out in front of our house. They won't Mm -hmm. harm you, but they'll try to scare you. And are you old enough? And can you handle this? I needed to kind of find out from them if it was time to do that. And they let me know when it was time. And then I put together a website and became more public again. Um, But I remember being home for that week, being scared uh, and hearing my dad's voice who had passed the year before Mm. um, saying, you just, you can't let the bullies win. Mm. You know, like what kind of world would it be if you let the bullies win? And I thought, okay. So I just, Monday, (laughs) I went back to work. (laughs) Yes, love that. I think they were not happy. I mean, work was happy about it. Scientology Mm -hmm. wasn't. Oh my. Um, and so I guess now, since that's more on topic, are there any other cults that I've harassed you that you can at least talk about or say, or. Yeah. So there was a, um, a man named Tony Alamo who had run, um, Mm -hmm. his own church and he had a compound and he since passed. He was put in jail for lots of things that he deserved mm-hmm. to be in trouble yeah. for. Mm-hmm. But he had like child brides and t- there's oh, tons of abuse and yeah. horribleness. Mm. Um, there's a woman early on when I started the podcast who came on to tell her story. And she was she was really scared, actually, about talking, mm, even though he wow. had already passed away. Mm. But there was he you know, he had made people feel that he would still be with them in the spiritual realm oh. and be able to attack them in the spiritual oh, no. realm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that group did help to unfortunately close the, the clinic that I was, mm-hmm. that I was working at. Um, and there have been others where, you know, they, they haven't been happy with what I've said, like even on the podcast that somehow they think that I'm trying to shut them down and mm-hmm. I'm not trying to shut anyone down. I'm trying to pull back the curtain on the wizard. Mm, you know, I'm trying to yes. say here, take a mm, look, take a look. Yeah. And then you decide, but you as the member, you as the public don't have the mm, information. Here's the information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If this is then something you think is not cool, uh, then don't be involved, but make that choice on your own. Um, mm. But instead, yeah, I've been accused of being very anti certain groups and anti-certain uh-huh. religions and yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not anti anything except for anti people's freedoms being taken away and mm. anti-deception. Mm. Um yeah. and so 
you know, I think also if a group is intimidated by you revealing what's true about them, that speaks volumes mm, about the group. Yeah, it does. So you can just say this group is harassing me because we're disclosing what actually happens there. That's enough information <laughs> to let people decide. Yes, yes, most definitely. And so I'm just curious, you know, you've been a cult expert for 30 years. Mm. What are the different cults that you've worked with, with interventions and helping people escape? Oh gosh. Okay. So there are so many. So I one time was asked mm. to put together a list. It was when I was putting together this, what was it? A media pitch package. People wanted to know what groups I had dealt with. <laughs> and I couldn't remember. I was going through all my notes and I, it got up to be like, like 300 names of different groups. Oh, and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm running out of mm. space. <laughs> um, and, and there are more too. And, um, because mm-hmm. there really there are new groups all the time, but if you move it away from just like Bible-based cultic groups and you open mm-hmm. it up to all the other groups I've dealt with, like the mm. the ones that are psychotherapy-based, yeah, like the large group awareness trainings, the ones that are mm-hmm. um, Hindu, the ones that are Buddhist, the ones that are mm. a lot all over the place, the ones that are the multi-level marketing kinds of schemes, mm. and also really making going from the larger groups to the smaller ones where mm. it's like a one-on-one cult where you have every means of manipulation being used in a relationship. And mm-hmm. then that person leaves feeling like their head was played with just like they had been involved in the cult. Cause basically they had been, it was just a cult of two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's when the list gets very long. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, by and large, the groups that I deal with are these large group awareness trainings where people need to go mm-hmm. for a workshop weekend and um, you know, are, are made to disclose a lot of things about themselves and push psychologically mm, to get to their yeah. brink and then have these breakdowns. And, and you think you're having mm-hmm, this epiphany, yeah. but really you're being pushed to have a very emotional moment so that mm-hmm. then you feel connected to the people there. And then you feel mm-hmm. like they were there during this horrible moment that you were having, even though they created it. Um, and then there also, there are different times that we've gone through seeing particular groups um, on the increase, like Mm -hmm. during the turn of the millennia, there were many that were into um, um, like the mothership, kind of the heaven's gate time, you know, of Mm. this world is going to be destroyed at the turn of the millennia. So we need to have another place that we're looking Mm. at that we're going to be going to. And there are a lot of um, UFO cults and other groups like mm. that um yeah. and conspiracy theories and a lot mm. of conspiratorial thinking yeah. that started around that time like that the computers were going to crash and the stock market mm. was going to crash and everything was yeah. going to crash and it didn't um mm-hmm. and so yeah it's been interesting to see the the trajectory and how there's some groups that just have staying power they've been around for a long time Mm. and the next descendants have picked up where their parents have left off and they've continued you know carrying the baton Mm. um like with the moonies even though it's changed now it's become more militaristic and now they Mm. have ak-47s while they're praying (laughs) instead of prayer books i'm sorry what um like you can't make that's wow (laughs) yeah it is it's a little alarming Uh um 
Um, but now, yeah, there, there are many um, kind of political cults that have come up and mm. um, people really wanting to take sides and feeling yeah. like mm. they need to stand for something. You oh. Know? Mm. oh, I know that that just makes me think of um, the January 6th hearings that have mm-hmm. been going mm-hmm. on and just because, you know, when January 6th, when that happened, I knew the general overview. I never watched any of the footage. I never looked deeply into it. I'm like, okay, these bunch of crazy um, MAGA people tried to overturn the election and they attacked the Capitol and destroyed all these things. Like, that's terrible. And like, I didn't dig into it because like at that time in my life, I was just trying to not have any negativity because I had enough already because mm-hmm. I was stuck I was stuck in a cultic situation. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that situation, anything that could bring any joy you tried to have in your life. But mm-hmm. now as I've gotten out, I'm like, okay, like I can't ignore these situations because so many awful things have happened because people ignored it or didn't speak up. Mm-hmm. And it's been interesting to see in the January 6th hearings about how much of a devotion these people had to Trump. And it's been incredible mm-hmm. too to see Republicans now coming forward and then speaking up about it. And then, of course, you'll see the backlash from other GOP people slamming Republicans for stepping forward. And, you know, we've, we've seen examples of cultic behavior and, you know, in politics in America. Like if someone disagreed with Trump, they were like basically kind of excommunicated in the Republican mm-hmm. party. And so I feel like, thankfully, I think these January 6th hearings are going to put an end to that because as more republic especially liz cheney when she denounced trump i was really shocked (laughs) when i was watching the january 6th and she said we cannot have him be president or in power Mm -hmm. ever again and she's like we need to put some rules into place because of him to protect this from ever happening (laughs) yeah again Mm -hmm. and you know it's just crazy to me because especially since you know i i left back in january of 2022 but as i've begun like listening to your podcast and reading different books on cults of just understanding that this isn't like a tiny very rare thing Mm -hmm. that happens Mm -hmm. you know there can be a lot of cultic groups and cultic behavior and like and for me like getting rid of that black and white thinking was one of the things of like realizing that of like a cult you know it's not a black and white term no it's a spectrum it's a spectrum So, and I think that's why, you know, for example, the church I grew up in, they would never, they always called all these other places a cult, but they never were because they were right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. because they had that black and white view of it, like, oh, we're not that extreme. But, you know, if you actually, you know, for example, go through Lifton's um, criteria for thought reform and like Mm -hmm. Hassan's bite model, and you apply that to any group you've been involved with and you know you start seeing some signs you're like well this is cultic like Mm -hmm. it might not be on the very far end of the spectrum but it's on there somewhere and yeah and i think cult education we really need it as you know especially i feel like with the 2024 election Mm -hmm. um coming up you've worked with QAnon people also yeah um so you've Tell me, what was that like working with people who left QAnon with that mindset? Like, what is, what is their view of themselves when they got in it? And how is it now, I guess? 
Yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, working with people who are still in conspiratorial groups, who are still followers of Q, mm, wow. um, that's inordinately difficult. Mm. When you start doing something and you've done it now for a long time, there is a certain level of mm, confidence, not overconfidence, but just this confidence mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah. I think I've dealt with something like this in the past. Let me mm, go back into my history of working with people who are dealing with this and see what would help. I have, you know, I, I'm going to open this sort of psychological toolbox. Like, okay, I'm going to try this and try mm -hmm. this and try because these things have worked with this group of people, these cases are inordinately difficult. Mm. Part of the reason that they're so difficult is that there's an aggression mm. that you're dealing with right away. And there are personal attacks and they're suspicious of you. And mm. whatever you say, there's an automatic response to it. That's not unlike other kind of cultic groups, but that mm -hmm. they've been trained to know what to say if you're coming out against it. So I've had to warn mm -hmm. families or the spouses or whoever's hired me where it might seem like I'm agreeing with the person at first, because that mm -hmm. is the only way to keep them talking to you. Oh, okay. And so I've said to, I remember actually there've been a lot of kids who have contacted me about their parents, their parents getting caught mm. up in things and they, they don't know how to face their friends at school. Cause their mom just like lunged at someone at the PTA meeting, you know, oh, yeah. mm. and on behalf of the children and the children, actual children are saying, really, you did this for the children. And now <laughs> we don't want to go to school anymore because mm. we're the kids of the crazy yeah. mom. So thanks mm. mom. <laughs> um, so there isn't like an, an awareness of what's happening right in front of you, you know, which is hard, I think for the kids, especially, mm -hmm. but I've had to say to them, listen, I'm going to be letting the person who you love, who you're concerned about, just talk and to talk about what they believe in and why they believe mm -hmm. in this and why this speaks to them. And I'm not trying to play them, but I'm just trying to help them know that I do actually care about why this matters to them. Cause that helps me to understand then how to intervene. Because if someone um, had their job taken away, if, um, and they suddenly felt like they couldn't provide for their family and it was given to someone who they saw as an immigrant or whatever fosters mm -hmm. or underscores their already kind of xenophobic bent or something or lack yeah. of trust in the government or something. Um, I want to get the origin story. What, what is it that mm -hmm. is driving them? And also that within these groups, a lot of the people who get involved in this have also been involved in other things. They were the ones who took the, all their money out of the bank during sort of the Y2K mm, scare. They're the yeah. ones often who have done things that they realize they didn't need to do at the end of the day. And maybe family and friends have sort of made fun of them for. So they'll dig their heels in now just to prove now, they, now they've gotten it right. And now mm -hmm. they're involved in something that really is true. So having to look at being involved in yet mm. another thing that yeah. isn't, you know, the truth is a very hard thing. But when people do come out, a lot of them feel, uh, well, a lot of them feel a lot of things. I know it's a really general mm. statement, but yeah, the hard part for them is a loss of community and the loss of the high mm. and the loss yeah. of a feeling of ultimate protection. 
that yeah. if you feel like you have the ticket, if you have a like the secret, right? The whole idea of the secret, you have yes. this way of having access to an answer that other people don't have. What happens when suddenly it's false? Then where is the answer? And mm. you don't know where else to find it. And you're still searching for it or you're still needing mm. it. Yeah. And so that's a very hard thing. And the intensity is really like a high. It connects mm. with the same part of the brain as a drug. That's very hard for people to give up. Mm. Um, yeah. And also the fact that they were talking to people within the community every day and going to rallies. And um, that's also very hard. That It's a great sense of loss at the same time. Mm-hmm. They went, they felt really disillusioned and they got really tired of mm, feeling like they were being used for someone else's mm-hmm. cause. Yeah. Like that they were being swept up in a movement that was going to help the president or that was going to help a particular political group by them being able to say mm-hmm. we have 50,000 members and like so they could just be added as a number to make that group mm-hmm. look good and powerful yeah. and yeah a lot of them really felt manip- like highly manipulated mm-hmm. and then also very self-critical what is it about uh, me mm-hmm. yeah. that made me not see that this was false mm-hmm. and that made me not even question and mm. that when QAnon says we we're saving the children, why did I not ask like which kids? Or can I meet yeah. them? You know, and mm-hmm. what are the numbers? Yeah. Um, because if you ask those questions, somehow you weren't being a good follower. So Ooh. people really didn't like the fact that their own ability to find out the truth mm. was kept away from them. Mm. Yes, and so I think something that is crazy about the QAnon movement is that a lot of these people were radicalized online. Yeah. And so, you know, as we, you know, we live in a modern world, how could we combat this radicalization that is going on online? And I think, you know, one of the main things I think people are trying to do is to stop misinformation. Mm-hmm. And then there are mm-hmm. people who just want freedom of all kind of information on the internet, mm-hmm. whether it's true or not. So do you feel like one of the steps is to control misinformation or are there other ways you feel like companies or the government can do to help with this radicalization online? Right. So a couple things. Um, one, I know that when a group does its recruiting online, it has the potential to be inordinately powerful. You don't have to get dressed to go to a rally. You don't have to go to a weekend. You don't even have to put pants on. <laughs> like you can just be there <laughs> and have yes. all this information mm-hmm. fed to you in a very glossy presentation also. And then you also can see how many people are liking that and how many people are involved in that message board and Reddit group or what. And then you feel like you're part of something big. And you never left your house. There's also something very intimate about people who are mm-hmm. going through a hard time and they're up in the middle of the night feeling bad about themselves. There are these people there in their room in the middle of the night. They have a mm-hmm. community that is there that they feel has helped them through that sleepless night. So mm-hmm. it really yeah. engenders this connection, mm-hmm. this emotional connection. And you feel that these are you, this is your new community. These are your new best friends. These are the people who understand you. Mm-hmm. What is also devastating, going back to your previous question about when people have left, is that they find out 
that these relationships are totally 100% conditional. Mm. And they didn't know that at the time Mm. they thought these people really cared about them. And as soon as they started wondering about it or questioning it, these people not only dropped them, but defamed them. Mm. And that has been this one, two punch for a lot of people. And that's why it's best not to get involved to begin with, mm-hmm. but right. Mm-hmm. Cause you're not only dropped, but you're dropped and kicked. Oh, you are. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, Dutch. so that is really harsh, really mm. harsh. Um, especially when you sacrificed everything. Yeah. Basically. I got you. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm laughing because that happened to me. So I'm oh, like, yes. Okay. Yeah. So we can, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So the other thing, though, is that when people are getting information online, mm-hmm. um, they don't question it because sometimes the the way to find out if it's true or not is much harder to find. Mm-hmm. People want what's easy to access. Yeah. And so then do you think people would be looking at some other kind of political website that dissects everything that is being said and talks about the veracity of it? That's like way too much effort. Mm -hmm. And so I think people just want to be given these things that are easily memorized Mm, that make them feel kind of good and high. Mm. Um, And I think, People also really um, need to see the thing is, you know, you can't stop misinformation. I wish there were a way to do that. I know Um, what you can do, though, is you can teach people how to decipher. Mm, Yes. How to look for Mm -hmm. the kind of presentation that where something is presented and you will just automatically know that can't be true. Um, mm-hmm. like if someone says, makes a statement, that's all or nothing, like mm-hmm. we have the answer yeah. and this is the only way, right? My antenna is going to go up. Your antenna is going to mm-hmm. go up. We're going to yeah. be like, oh yeah, no, not so fast. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh-uh. Um, but other people are looking for the answer and they'll say, oh mm-hmm. good, here it is. So yeah. how do we teach people mm-hmm. how to sift through? Yeah information to know what's real and what's not. I think that's the way to go. Mm, Yes. Like a big thing about indoctrination is that it totally represses your critical thinking skills Mm -hmm. really, because you're really, you're taught to question without thinking about it, Mm -hmm. period. And so I think that is, and that, that, I think that is a struggle though with people who have been indoctrinated Mm -hmm. to cause that critical thinking Mm -hmm. and I feel like intervention by family members is probably the only way it comes about or unless that person is struggling in the group psychologically and that forces them to question it which is really what happened to me (laughs) Mm -hmm. suffering in the group and like you know they give you these answers of this is what you do you'll be fine but then their answers don't work for you and Mm -hmm. they don't like it when they don't work for you okay (laughs) they do not because it causes cognitive dissonance in them and then they blame you like for example like you know i grew up in a the ifb very conservative fundamentalist environment Mm-hmm. Even this this kind of attitude happened all the way up in college. It's just this mm-hmm. shame and blame around mental health. And if you struggle with mental health, like from this extreme point of view, Bob Jones University mm-hmm. as of now, to them, mm-hmm. mental health is only, all mental health issues are spiritual, which to them, spiritual means mm-hmm. that if you have spiritual issues, which means you're not reading the Bible or you're not saved, you're not praying to God. So to fix all of your mental health issues, just conform to our religion, accept the doctrines. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you'll yep. have a relationship with Jesus and it'll be all fine. But that doesn't work with mm-hmm. a lot of people. <laughs> and it didn't work with me and they did not like that. Nice. And so they just dismiss your experience, really, and who you are because, you know, I've talked a little bit about biblical counseling lately, just talking about how toxic it is mm-hmm. because it's just based on belief and dogma and it's not based on any kind of science it's this dogmatic person using their belief system to try to help you through mm-hmm. something that a that a mental health professional should really be helping you with you're kind of there you're kind of like a guinea pig mm-hmm. <laughs> under this right. person and their beliefs right and yeah. you've, you've and also thinking about how you're saying that that um that one-on-one cult like two people like you feel like you have to conform Mm-hmm. to what this person is telling you mm-hmm. you feel like you need to let them know that they're right and you know you have to repress things that are going on you can't so like those one-on-one like biblical counseling or christian counseling things can be very very cultic yeah um also and so i'm just curious i know you said you've worked with over 300 <laughs> cults like wow that is incredible yeah. and so Could you at least like, I'm just really, I just just want people to know, like, what are like a couple or a few really like well-known cold cases that you've worked with? If you can talk about that. Mm. Um, Sure. So, right. So uh, many people I work with are former Scientologists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And also now a lot of people who um, were in a lot of these large group awareness trainings that, that were sort of mm-hmm. based on the EST training <clears throat> and have mm-hmm. moved on into having weekends like Life Spring and the Forum mm-hmm. and other yeah. groups like it, where people feel like they're getting something from it, but what they don't realize in order to get what they're getting from it, they have to sign up, often sign non-disclosure agreements, Mm. often sign up kind of forever where you feel like you're signing up for a workshop and then you say, okay, bye, thanks. And they Mm -hmm. say, oh no, not so fast. Um, This was just the first step. You know, in order for it to make sense or in order for it to work, you have to sign up for the next one and then the next one and then the next one. And then you go on staff mm-hmm. and then like yeah. if it's a business that's relying on you paying into it, then they're not going to be done with you so quickly. And mm-hmm. people don't realize it's really going to be very high pressure. And a lot of these groups too, people leave feeling like they have a harder time socially because mm-hmm. they've learned to speak their mind, which um, in general is not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but they've also learned what is prevalent in a lot of groups, which is you can say what you want. And if the other person is bothered by it, that's on them. Mm-hmm. So people will leave and being, they'll, they'll often be told that they've become really confrontative and obnoxious and mm-hmm. hard to be around. And it really limits people's social interactions after that. And oh. they feel like they can only really get along with other people in the group. So that's a problem. Um, I have worked with a lot of people who were in Nexium. Mm, yeah. uh, I, and that's been very interesting. Uh, work. I've worked with a lot of people who were in this group where the leader was just sent to another leader was sent to jail, um, mm. a, a church, we'll call it La Luz del Mundo, which mm. had places all over yeah. started out in Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, 
the leader's been brought up on a couple of charges, although there are many more that he didn't get brought up on oh, that I no. know about. That, mm-hmm. that he got sort of, I think, the minimum for all that he did. Oh. Um, and maybe there was a plea bargain. Who knows? I don't know how the law works in that way, but mm-hmm. he got much lesser sentence than people were mm-hmm. expecting. Yeah. So I've worked with girls who were groomed at a young age to be sexual with mm-hmm. their pastor who yeah. they thought was God. And what what does that do? Then also, mm-hmm. um, I've worked with a lot of people from a group called 3HO, which is a offshoot mm-hmm. of Sikhism, and it's its own mm-hmm. version of it. It was run by a man named Yogi Bhajan, who has since passed away. And a lot of people have left talking about a lot of abuse. Um, And um, interestingly, again, also multi-level marketing, teen treatment, Mm. some of the really horrible teen treatment places. Yes. Mm. Um, And then... um, relationships with narcissists mm. because yes. I've expanded it to that. And then, um, and this is probably one of the more disturbing things to me, people who have been abused and taken over by their therapists. Mm. It wow. makes me nuts Ooh. when I think about yeah. that being one, mm. but people who had their therapist decide that um, they should be in charge of their entire lives and that they were never done with therapy. Mm. People who went to coaches who had the same Mm. ego need to be in charge and to be manipulative. Um, People who go to what are called spiritual healers or energy healers, all of Mm. these titles that are totally unregulated. Yes. And so there's no one to complain to. There's no governing body. There's no code of ethics. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so it's a free for all and anything can kind of happen to you. So the whole idea of you, of you kind of going for help and having that person really harm you, mm-hmm. yeah. um, but without your knowledge, cause they're often going to be, you know, pretty good at manipulation. Mm. Um, that just Oh, it really, really makes me mm. so upset because mm. it takes a lot, I think, for people to want to go through a healing process and go yeah. to therapy mm-hmm. and they should know they're going to someone who's healthy. Mm. Yes. Like they're in such a vulnerable yeah. um, state and position and just to yeah. see these psycho narcissist <laughs> therapists yeah. take advantage mm. of that is just so heartbreaking because like, oh my gosh, like, yeah. And, I just, do you know how widespread that problem is in the therapy world? Um, It's, well, see, I'm getting a sense of it now, now that I've done mm. a couple of videos about it, which, you know, like you know the videos. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, I'm getting a ton of emails and calls saying, mm. you know, oh, this happened to me also, or, oh, I yeah. didn't realize that's what had happened and why I felt worse after oh. I left therapy, why this person needed to convince me all these things were wrong with me just so mm. they could help me and continue yeah. the therapy. Um, or why I was so defamed when I said that I was done, uh, as opposed to being supported in me wanting to terminate the work. Mm. Um, yeah. So a lot of people leave not knowing that that's not how therapy should be. Mm. So it's yeah. underreported, I think, mm. basically. Um but now also there's a lot of use of psychedelics, which in and of itself is not mm. a bad thing, but there are yeah. people who are 
who are getting mm-hmm. involved in taking ayahuasca with a shaman and whoever it could be some guy named Steve, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. who takes you to Peru. <laughs> like, okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, and so you think you're having this epiphany and spiritual moment when you're just getting really high. And a lot of people also on ayahuasca get very nauseous and, and are taught that they're then purging some kind of, mm. you know, spiritual thing. And yeah. really they were just getting nauseous and they paid a lot of money for that wonderful mm. experience. Oh, no. um, so a lot of people are having mind altering experiences without it being overseen by someone mm. who can help you in a safe way through that. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's because like when you're, when you're in that state of, you know, when you're on drugs, a state of highness, and I know people microdose are different things, but with psychedelic, mm-hmm. I know they have to take more than a microdose to actually experience something. Mm-hmm. But when, yeah, when you're in that state, you are, you, and you know, I've talked to different people about psychedelics because this has been something I've been curious about because I've read a lot about it, the benefits mm-hmm. and the different experiences. And I was like, you know, what is the safest way to do this if I wanted to? Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the number one, I always hear that like you have to be in an environment where you're safe and where you would have someone there who you can really trust. Yeah. Uh, when you're in that state, because they're like, if you if you don't feel safe, that's just gonna mess with you anyways. Mm-hmm. And you know, if that person is dangerous, then you are sadly like, you know, you're trapped in that situation until right. you like get off of the high. So yeah, you really, and I and I really do hope that, you know, psychedelics can begin to be put into medicine more so that mm-hmm. people won't go to these sketchy spiritual leaders right. and these sketchy coaches and different things. And yes, like I'm sure we'll still sadly have issues with like narcissistic therapist in the field, mm-hmm. but it is, mm-hmm. you know, it's more, it's regulated. Unlike mm-hmm. these, you know, unfortunately things do um, pass through and happen, but hopefully we can yeah. be able more to catch it. Yeah. I always hope, but. Right. Right. I really do hope. I mean, when, when something like this happens, when something becomes trendy, mm. you know, cults are going to pick up on a trend. Oh, and, yes. And also when people are just liking the fact that they have, this way of convincing people to do things. A lot of these Mm. people who are these quote unquote shamans are just really good salespeople and they know they can make a lot of money off of people by pretending Mm. to give them some spiritual experience. Yeah. Mm. Um, There are also a lot of justifications for mistreating people in a lot of Mm. these groups where it's for your benefit or no pain, no gain or whatever else. So if you have a bad Mm. high or a bad trip, yeah. That's something you needed to do. That was you purging something, something mm-hmm. as opposed yeah. to, I had no idea what I was doing when I advised <laughs> you what to do. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. there, it's a lot of people not taking responsibility for mm-hmm. the advice they're giving other people. Mm-hmm. Yes. I know this, this is interesting that you say that because I had a friend, she was like, I have this shaman. He's really awesome. You should hear this. I'm like, I'm good. Like already you <laughs> were there. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> with uh-huh. that shaman right. like you know not just slam spiritual leaders but it's just to yeah. me i just don't trust it um right. which i'm sure there are people i mean i think there are people i think who genuinely believe they're helping people but they're really hurting people and i think there mm-hmm. are people who are purposely hurting people using mm-hmm. that as a cover too so i think there's a mix of both <laughs> in that right. crowd unfortunately right. mm. yeah it is true yeah. And like, I'm just curious, like, did you ever expect to be one of the world's top cult experts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, n- no, 
No. And um, what I what I make sure to do, because this is, I think, my personality is that mm. I always defer to the people who came before me, that mm -hmm. they are the ones like Lifton, Lifton um, mm -hmm. and Margaret Singer and other people who have written books, who did studies, who learned mm -hmm. about yeah. um, re-education camps and that kind of, mm. you know, mind bending yeah. training. Um who put words to what was happening, mm -hmm. the people who um, cared enough about what was happening at Jonestown to mm. study it, like the, the yeah. congressperson who went to go rescue his constituents who had been taken down to Guyana mm. through, by yeah. Jim Jones, who was shot while he was there. I mean, these are people who mm -hmm. um, sacrificed so much and yeah. most also have dealt with a lot of harassment. But no, I think that I didn't realize, I know that one of my colleagues who you've talked to, Pat Ryan, um, mm -hmm. when he, he's been doing interventions with his intervention partner for many years, uh, non-forcible interventions. And that's why mm -hmm. I'm doing them on those because I like the way they're done yeah. um, very respectfully. Uh, when he said to me, Rachel, I think with the amount of years you've been doing this, but also that you worked at the two different places that were really clinics mm -hmm. for this yeah. that have since shut down, but the cult clinic in LA and a place that was called the, the cult hotline and clinic in New York mm -hmm. um, and through doing the podcast, et cetera, you have mm -hmm. now worked with thousands and thousands of people. And that's a huge, huge number. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he said, I think that you've, you know, worked with more people than anyone else in this field. I don't mm -hmm. think about wow. myself in that way. I'm too mm -hmm. focused in on each mm -hmm. person I'm working with. I don't yeah. look at big numbers. Mm -hmm. I just think, how can I help this person next? Like, what did they present me with during the last mm -hmm. session that I want to be able to help them with as mm -hmm. we move forward? So I'm always yeah. thinking in more microscopic ways. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So no, I, it has been a surprise um, to hear it. Uh, <laughs> And, but I had no, I had like imposter syndrome when I, when mm. I first started and people would come to me and say, mm. you know, I think, I feel like you can really help me. And I was thinking, no, I can't. Why, oh, no. Why are you talking to me? There are people, cause I <laughs> mm -hmm. looked up to my elders mm. in this field and as the experts, but what was also true about the elders in the field was that while the, a lot of them are researchers and professors mm -hmm. yeah. or had some other qualifications, they weren't necessarily therapists. So they may not mm -hmm. have been working with these people, uh, but they were helping us and kind of the world understand mm -hmm. this, what this mm -hmm. is, this phenomenon, yes. you know? Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it, I, I mean, part of what I think also has just sort of kept me with it and kept me working with so many people is, is going back to the macro and the micro Mm -hmm. I care when someone has said, this has happened to me. I've gone to talk to other therapists or other people to try to help me. No one seems to get it. And, um, and so they keep trying to change the subject or they're telling me like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And I need to talk to someone who gets this part of my story and can help me not hate myself for having mm -hmm. been quote unquote gullible who can help me understand why I was treated this way, why I also mm -hmm. quote unquote, let it happen to me. A lot of people leave feeling like they let it happen yeah. to them, as opposed to it being, you know, something they mm -hmm. lost control over at some point, someone else took control. Um, 
but the the macro is just the idea of freedom of personal freedom going mm. back to my sibling going back to um my heritage of being in situations with regimes where suddenly mm. you lost your freedom and yeah. and and the reason is because the masses were able to be controlled through propaganda and manipulation and um, becoming more mm -hmm. torch and pitchfork like we're seeing in the United States. So it, it matters to me on that level as well. And I think that's why I keep going. Mm, yes, I love that. And like, I think I've always also loved that like humble attitude you've had about the work that you do. You don't sit on, you don't get on your high horse but I think your work speaks for you <laughs> enough <laughs> of what you've done. Uh, um, yeah, but, you. you know, of course, and like, you know, you're not the kind of person who wants to be in the spotlight or talk about yourself, which I know doing this interview has been a little bit out of your comfort zone <laughs> yes. in doing uh -huh. that. <laughs> but like, I know though you're, you know, you get asked to be in the media quite a bit. Like, how do you handle that? How do you view that when you go into it? Right. So there is a part of me that, that feels like I, I skip over the fact that they asked me mm -hmm. and I don't think, oh, well, of course they would ask me and pop up, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think, oh, well, if this is a, if this is an opportunity to teach lots of people about something, I'd like mm -hmm. to be on board with that. I'd like to see if I can even use that media outlet, whatever it is, as a way mm -hmm. to educate a lot of people at once. And that makes me feel good to have those opportunities. Um, mm, yeah. I, I had to learn also through doing a lot of media, first of all, how to speak on camera and how to also mm -hmm. kind of pretend the camera's not there. Like uh, with okay. the, the show that I was on uh, seduce that was about Nexium, they wanted to film my quote unquote sessions with mm -hmm. India Oxenberg, who had been oh. in the group, mm -hmm. but they, there's no way for it to be a real therapy session with cameras mm. and lighting yeah. and people going, mm -hmm. hold, hold it. We have to change the, whatever the curtains, yeah. or something. you know, it's really, it's not actual mm -hmm. therapy, but I said yes to those things. I think because I thought, wow, this mm. is kind of a way to help people learn mm. from others and to hopefully keep themselves safe and mm -hmm. also to not have the bullies win, right. To not yes. have the people who, feel like they can get away with this because no one knows about it. And it stayed in the shadows, how to bring light to it. So it's no longer mm -hmm. staying in the shadows. Yeah. And they then know that they have to watch their back and maybe they can't keep doing this without people finding out about what they're mm -hmm. up to. Oh, I see. And then, so was that also a big reason for you starting your own podcast indoctrination to just continue, you know, giving a voice to survivors and bring education and awareness to cultic groups. Yeah. So I, the reason for the podcast was, but well, there are a couple of reasons. One was mm -hmm. because I was hearing a lot of people's stories and I was thinking, you know, these are actually really good cautionary tales about what to watch out for in society and in relationships and in workplaces, et cetera. And I'd love for people to be able to use their experiences to um, do education and prevention, you know, for the world at large. Also, I knew for some people that was going to be part of their healing, mm -hmm. not feeling ashamed of their story because they didn't do this yeah. to anyone that mm -hmm. it was done to them. They shouldn't be the ones carrying the shame. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I think also 
it was to be able to show that there isn't something wrong with the people who this has happened to. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, that person who that person who got involved in a cult, like somehow that's a mark against them. Mm, yeah, and exactly. I really mm-hmm. wanted to put the focus on where it needed to be. Like mm. I wanted to show people who people could relate to and say, like, that could be mm-hmm. me. That could be my yeah. brother. That could be my sister. That could be my kid. So that they stopped judging the victim mm-hmm. yeah. and look beyond that and thought, OK, well, if this is someone who seems bright seems capable, had their Mm. life going in a certain direction, and this still happened to them. What do I need to learn to know how to keep myself safe? And Mm -hmm. also the next time, and the hope also that the next time they come across someone who's been through something like this, they don't treat them with disdain or with Mm. criticism, but instead offer them kind of the respect that they deserve, which is, wow, you went through that. You were born and raised in that, or you got involved Mm -hmm. in that well-oiled machine of manipulation later on, Mm -hmm. and you were able to get out. That's amazing. You have a lot of strength. You have a lot of perseverance. Mm -hmm. I wanted to guide people to view these people as sort of the rescue Mm -hmm. heroes in their life, not being weak in any way. Um, So there were a Mm -hmm. lot of there are a lot of reasons. Um, and I, I think also I've heard from a lot of people who have said, you know, you helped me get out of a bad relationship because mm. I realized, well, I thought I was just hearing about some cult. It was like, check, 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 check. <laughs> my marriage, yeah. my marriage. Right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that has, that's saved a lot of people from a life of being in kind of ego servitude to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I guess I'm just curious because, like, what would you say to a person who said to you, well, oh, well, that person is gullible, that they got involved in it, and they don't have compassion whatsoever, like, oh, like, they were stupid? Because, you know, as I've tried to help bring awareness to cultic situations, like, for example, the um, uh, the unbelievable house situation, mm-hmm. which I'm excited mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. That's going to be that I've released and that's going to be on your podcast. Big awareness. Mm-hmm. There have been people who have been like, oh my gosh, these people were so gullible and so dumb. Like, no wonder this happened to them. And I was like, you know, I try my best to defend and be like, hey, like these people were vulnerable and in desperate situations. Like, please have compassion. But like with your years of experience, what would you say to someone like that who would say, oh my gosh, they're gullible. They deserved it. Like, no wonder. Like, what would you say? to someone like that, which is, that's not true at all. But sadly, there are people out there who think that and say that. Yeah. I think a lot of people who say that, who say, oh, you know, I never would have fallen Mm, for that. They're often the ones who do fall for things (laughs) because they think they're above it and they Mm. think they're impervious to it. And they're often Mm. the ones who get caught up in things. Um, But they feel like in they have to prove something about themselves that it never would have happened to them. So Mm -hmm. what I say is that, you know, cultic groups, Bible-based cults, et cetera, they didn't invent these techniques. They're using Mm -hmm. techniques that are part of basically a business model of Mm -hmm. influence and how you get someone to buy a product. And Mm -hmm. so I, I remember giving a talk one time to a group of parents at a school about this and there were these four moms. I mean, there were a lot of moms and dads it happened mm-hmm. to be these four women sitting in the f- 
front row and they were all sort of shaking their heads like, oh, this would be crazy. I, we would never get involved. We can't be manipulated. Mm-hmm. We're too independent thinking. Yeah. And I looked at all of them. They were wearing almost identical outfits. Mm-hmm. And because that was what was hip or cool or yeah. in for that week or that minute, you know, and um, so I I thought because they're really being critical and kind of obnoxious, <laughs> I uh, and kind of probably shaming other people who were in the audience who had gotten mm-hmm. caught up in things. Mm-hmm. I said, OK, so maybe you're not able to be influenced. Tell me why you're all wearing the same pants. <sighs> there was silence. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, I'm not meaning to shame you. I'm meaning to teach you. Mm. We are all open to being influenced. Mm. And there's a reason you buy what you buy, Mm -hmm. whether it is spiritual or whether it has to do with clothing or fashion or the new shoe, the rain boots. Oh, they're all, it was also raining on a rare day in LA that Mm. it rains and they're all wearing matching rain boots because it was the cool (laughs) brand, you know, Mm -hmm. for that year. So I thought, well, I could keep going with their outfit, but I just chose this. (laughs) Um, And I, I guess I wanted to really drive that point home that our brains are malleable and we Mm. were able to be influenced, but that's part of who we are as human beings. And that's part of our survival mechanism Mm -hmm. that we are social beings. And that if Mm. someone tries to teach us something, we might believe that it's for our benefit and we need to know Mm -hmm. that information to keep ourselves safe. We won't necessarily know that that person is lying and that they're Mm. teaching us something for their own benefit Mm. um, so that we follow them. But yeah, so I, I will tell people when you blame the victim here, you're missing the point Mm. Um, because we are all able again at different times in our lives to be manipulated in many ways. Mm -hmm. Um, But what matters is that there are people out there who are knowingly working on people's fears um, Mm -hmm needing to give them answers during a time that where things feel like they're so up in the air, mm-hmm. taking advantage of people being open-minded, taking advantage of people being scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's focus on that, not on who gets mm-hmm. involved because we all could. Mm, yes, most definitely. And what are your hopes regarding cult awareness in the future? What do you think needs to improve with cult awareness and what situations? Well, so I think it would be good for it to be added in the curriculum at schools. Mm. Um, I think that people, a lot of things should be added to the curriculum. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm. I, I have never once used trigonometry in my life since Mm -hmm. I took it in class, but I graduated not knowing how to balance a checkbook. Well, which one is a little more handy? Yes, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. And also I may have learned about um, ancient Roman times, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I didn't learn about kind of the social political movements of Mm. current times that are influencing so much and affecting people so much day to day. I also, you know, you don't learn about how to be in a relationship, Mm -hmm. how to know that you're being taken advantage of, how to understand deception, even in media. Um, Mm. One thing I did learn that I remember, and I, and so I think school children need to learn this, whether it's middle school, high school, college, Mm -hmm. Um, 
One of the things I did learn that has actually been very interesting is finding out the source of the information. Mm-hmm. So if you're given a study that's been done, you can find it very interesting. But I mm-hmm. have learned that you go back and you learned you learn about who paid for the study. And then you, if you don't recognize the name, you research maybe who sponsors that group uh, mm-hmm. because there are plenty of times that a study will be brought, will be put out and it'll seem like it has scientific merit, but really it was to, to sway people, to sway people's mm-hmm. view of things or to have them buy a product. Um, so you want to know where this came from and what agenda mm-hmm. they have and why, yeah. you know, they put this together. Um so, so I think that's one. The other is for people to understand how much it's woven into politics mm-hmm. and how much it's woven into the media mm-hmm. because, and social media too. But yeah. how, if you're suddenly watching something and you're getting riled up and you're getting really mm-hmm. angry or really excited, know that that is being cultivated in you. Mm-hmm. That you, if you've suddenly emotionally gone from zero to 60 in any in Mm. any direction that was prompted by the thing that you just read or saw Mm. and potentially um, the volume was turned up on it because they are, they have an agenda. They want Mm -hmm. you to be mad about this or they want you to be mobilized and excited to do that because that works Mm. for them. So understand when you suddenly had this emotional peak, and mm. if that was something that you were manipulated into, or if that's really how you feel, uh, were they using incendiary language? Were they suddenly shouting? Was there mm. a dramatic impact? Was it a rally at night with bonfires? Like notice yeah. the environment, mm-hmm. notice how you're being played. Mm. Yes. You talking about that. It makes me think of Fox news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. And all the right. things like, oh my gosh. And like, I know there was a, there's an expose on Tucker Carlson, which um, of how he used mind control um, techniques through Fox News, which that's a whole other topic, whole other episode, which I think I would love to see you dig into that. Yeah. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. also you can tell from the beginning with a headline yeah. of mm-hmm. a story. Yeah. Um, what mm-hmm. the leaning is and where they're going with it and who you mm-hmm. from the headline, who you're supposed to yeah. what side you're supposed to take. And yes. you haven't even read the article yet or heard mm. the report yet. Mm. Yes, that's so true. That us versus them mm-hmm. mindset mm-hmm. is so common. Oh, yeah. Yes, I've greatly enjoyed this conversation. And is there anything else you would like to say before we end this interview? Mm. I think, you know, one of the things that you talk about you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think you, you talk about it, but also you just live it that mm. a lot of people believe the story that life is worse on the outside, mm. that, that they're going to then be worldly or the yeah. devil will get mm-hmm. them or that yeah. they'll get sick mm-hmm. or something, mm-hmm. but it's not until you take that chance, yeah. which mm. is extremely hard. hard to take because <laughs> really it's like falling off the edge of a cliff. Mm. Um, that you realize actually that life gets better. Mm. Yes, there are going to be some losses because yeah. you're going to have a loss of what you're supposed to believe or what mm-hmm. you think gave your life meaning yeah. or direction. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize actually that that is something you can define for yourself. Yes, mm. uh, And you're not leaving that behind. You're just leaving mm-hmm. their definition of it. Behind. Yes. Mm. 
and that life gets happier. You can connect mm-hmm. with people. People really yeah. also will meet you for you and like mm-hmm. you for you. And relationships yeah. have an opportunity to be unconditional outside yeah. a cult when they're mm-hmm. not able to be inside. So yeah. things do get better. And I think that that's yes. a really important message. Oh, yes, it's so true, because that is a big thing in cultic groups. And I think it's called like phobia indoctrination. Mm -hmm. And it's when they put so much fear in you of leaving that any pain you go through in the group, the fear is always greater than leaving. And so like in the church that I grew up in, you know, I was always told like, oh, you're going to you know, you're going to get into all kinds of drugs. You're going to be an alcoholic. You're going to be homeless. You'll be miserable. You'll be out of, you know, in quotes, God's will, like outside of our group, your life will have no meaning and no happiness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it's been really incredible to discover (laughs) that there is happiness and purpose on the outside, but it's learning to claim your autonomy and to connect with yourself. And I think that's what's so terrible about these cultic groups is that they disconnect you from yourself Mm -hmm. and you're Mm -hmm. so dependent on them. And until you learn um, to do that. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, for anyone leaving a cultic group, like when I was really left it, I immediately went to the therapist the next week Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I knew I needed that. Um, Even though I worked through a lot of things on my own, because I'm like, you know, I need there's, you know, there are things we're unaware of about ourselves that a therapist can help you see. And that's been so, so helpful for me and for anyone, um, you know, seeking help for that when you leave to work through it, because it's, yeah, it's not easy. It is a Mm -hmm. big, Mm -hmm. a big change. And like, I was definitely um, really seeing a lot of things you were talking about, how like realizing a lot of your relationships in these cultic environments are very conditional. It's Mm -hmm. based on if you conform or agree. And when you don't anymore and you take a different path, there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who will who will turn their backs on you, but mm-hmm. they didn't deserve to be in your life anyway. They weren't really good people or true friends, right. at least right. anyways. It's true. But mm, yeah, I know it's it's really it's really, really sad the way this happens. But you know, for anyone listening, I'm gonna put different like um cult education resources that you can access to do different kind of research about things that you have. And I'll put Rachel's social media, her website, um, her podcast, and she has a lot of knowledge out there in the world with her podcast. It's been so helpful <laughs> for me. This is mm-hmm. it's so cool to see all the connections with all these different groups and mm-hmm. seeing all the different signs and realizing, you know what, they may be a part of a different group, but we have a lot of these similar experiences like you said it's like pulling the curtain Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the wizard is behind Mm -hmm. there and it's actually not so powerful and not so great (laughs) it's like they're exposed (laughs) right exactly right yeah oh oh my gosh okay this is one last question that i just remembered i know you already have like a children's book that's out and i know Mm -hmm. you've been writing another book too Mm -hmm. are you working on a book about cults Mm-hmm. Right. So the children's book was one that was um, for kids who were mm-hmm. coming out of a family constellation where, um, you know, where there was a divorce or a separation mm-hmm. and yeah. their family constellation didn't really fit in with the quote, sort of quote unquote mainstream that it could have been mm-hmm. two moms, two dads, trans parents, yeah. um, mm-hmm. foster parents, whatever, just mm-hmm. something that wasn't represented in these kinds of books so Mm. that's out there and that's available on amazon and yeah i'm putting together 
a cult related mm-hmm. book after long last. It's been interesting to put it together. I have a lot of information. Mm-hmm. It's oh, hard wow. to actually synthesize. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with the publishing world in terms of getting out a, mm-hmm. a book book not yeah. an, and like an illustrated uh, yeah. small children's book. So I have to figure out how to do that. And uh, mm. if anyone's listening and is a literary agent or a publisher, please <laughs> let us know. Um, but yeah, it's been nice to put it out in the format as far as I can see so far that I think would be interesting is that each chapter is sort of its own case mm. uh, and all representing different kinds of groups and different ages of people getting oh. involved in them and different mm. kind of work to do after to help yeah. them because of the issues that arose because of their experiences. So, yeah, so that's in the works now. Mm. Um, and then there's also an organization that I helped put together that I just didn't have time to keep maintaining my connection to, but it's a really good mm-hmm. resource. I think, I mean, mm-hmm. you people are welcome to contact me for therapy and go to my website and sign up and we can, you know, set that all up. If people are looking for a free resource that's mm-hmm. not therapy per se but it's like some initial meetings that mm-hmm. you can set up that there's an organization called stronger after uh stronger dash after.org you can look it up and there i believe it's still this format or four four or five initial meetings where you can mm-hmm. just say what just happened to me and they can say okay mm-hmm. it was probably this and are you experiencing this and then you can yeah. get a sense of really defining what then the issues are for you that then you can go to therapy with like just mm. to help you have the words to start oh, your healing, you know, that's so great. So, mm. so it's there too. And I'm proud of it. And it's a, it's a good thing anyway, but yeah, but it's been also wonderful to have you be involved in the podcast and to have your, your devotion to the subject oh, and yes. your knowledge about how to put information out there, mm-hmm. which is really yeah. wonderful. And so that's uh, been a bonus for me. Uh, thank you. And I've greatly, greatly enjoyed working for you. And it's like, it's been like, you know, this is just another example of how life can get better <laughs> outside <laughs> when you leave. Because like when you hired me, I was like, did I just leave a cult? And I got hired by one of the top cult experts in the world. Like, what is my life? What is going on? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, it's been incredible, I think, to be online and so people can see my story mm-hmm. happen. And so, like you said, that people can see, oh, well, things can actually be good on the outside. And I think, I think sadly, part of my part of my parents were disappointed that things didn't end terribly for me or something bad didn't happen because Mm -hmm. I think deep down inside some not all of them because I think the parent in them does want the best for their child but then the religious part is like "Mm, like they're not obeying their parents they're not doing what we want so you know because I was always taught like if you if you don't follow a way or do a thing life won't work out for you it's gonna be terrible but then when they they've seen these different things work out in my life and they're like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they you know they no one likes being wrong but (laughs) Right. So it's been I, I haven't rubbed that in their face at all, but it's just <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they've experienced cognitive dissonance themselves yeah. of like. Yeah. And the thing is, I think what is important for people, you know, to leave you leave these cultic situations. And I know it's easy to be angry at your mm-hmm. parents and the people, mm-hmm. but like, you know, being hateful towards anyone is not going to help people no. on either end. And like I was not I was not hateful in any way 
when I left, I tried to do it in a respectful way <laughs> and try to respect mm -hmm. their beliefs. So I think, you know, don't, don't burn all of your bridges when you leave, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, it's right. say. Um, <laughs> and That's like, right. I think also too, like for me, like trying to understand um, the per perspective of your parents or the people who raised you and the adults you're around, because my parents, they were indoctrinated their entire lives. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since learning about cult education, I realized there's no way I could sit down and have a conversation about cultic thinking, cultic behavior, because they're so indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And, you know, they're in their late 50s. Like, I doubt I'm doing that indoctrination and that mind control. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever happened. Right. Unless they suddenly, for some reason, felt that, like, like you said, you can't make anyone... <laughs> undo that indoctrination yeah, and intervention right. um so i think it's important to still have those boundaries with your parents mm -hmm. um most definitely because mm -hmm. thankfully might have been great about not trying to force a religion but i know there are lots of parents and cults and crazy religions who will just not listen to any boundaries whatsoever and decisions mm -hmm. have to be made sadly so like you know it's context specific with your situation so like knowing that exactly I right think, too. oh yeah <laughs> just dealing with that and like I know it's a tough it's a tough thing like mm -hmm. it, it was mm -hmm. so funny because I think it was harder for me to come out about leaving religion and actually coming out of the closet as gay like I was like that wasn't as a big deal to me I'm like oh coming out of the closet with like I oh I don't believe this anymore like ugh. and it's right. so freaky to how how much people can put onto that and it's just mm -hmm. i'm hoping mm -hmm. that with more and more education especially i hope gen z i think gen z will step up because <laughs> gen z seems to be a lot about critical thinking and questioning yeah. which i love so mm -hmm. i'm hoping that they will continue in that and we can live in a world where we can you know we can all talk about different religions and schools mm -hmm. and not worry about no like let's put christianity in the school like mm -hmm. the whole christian nationalism thing going on in america i'm just i've had it i'm just oh, not yeah. here for it no <laughs> <I'm> just like <laughs> right. please stop Ugh. please stop exactly right <laughs> please, please 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 um you just also going back to something you were saying about your your parents potentially being mm -hmm. upset that something bad yeah. didn't happen to you I have mm -hmm. talked to a lot of parents who who have been kind of leaving a group and thinking to themselves, I actually really mm. was hoping that my child who I love was going to pay the price mm. because it was going to like for leaving because it was yeah. then going to underscore the sort of um, the teachings prove that they were right. Um, mm, yeah. not that I wanted something bad to happen yeah. to my kids, but it needed mm -hmm. to all make sense. Yes. The equation had to be mm -hmm. followed because yeah. if it wasn't, then what did that mean? Mm -hmm. And so a lot of parents actually will sometimes still hold out this hope in this weird kind of perverted mm -hmm. way, yeah. not their own fault, but because yeah. they've been taught this, yeah, that if yeah. nothing bad has happened to their child, that, oh, but maybe it still will. And mm -hmm. that if something bad happened to you, then they could say, ah, oh, well, that's because you left, because then there's going to be the false correlation, right? Yeah. That if you get a flat tire, oh, well, that's because no, it's mm. because you rolled over a nail and it happens. Yeah. And 
that's why, you know, they sell more tires. Like mm-hmm. you don't have, just yes. have to buy one set in your car forever. Mm-hmm. So I do think that parents then would sometimes find it alarming that they were actually kind of looking towards mm. or looking forward to having yeah. something bad happen to mm-hmm. their child or anyone else who left because it would help verify mm, why you beliefs. need to stay and their mm-hmm. verify their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that whole idea would often make people say something's really wrong here, that, you know, mm. I'm actually disappointed that my child is fine. That should never be. Oh, Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure there's there are definitely those co- two conflicting things. I'm sure mm-hmm. that can happen mm-hmm. in that. And like for me, like it's thinking of like on church t- teachings, I think the prodigal son is a story that is used so much to get people to stay mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, it's the prodigal son is about this son who decided he wanted to leave. And you know, and this is a parable, you know, it's not literal, it didn't actually happen, but it's just mm-hmm. a story. Right. about you know he left he made bad decisions and he came crawling back to his dad basically and mm-hmm. so that's what a lot of these parents expect and especially in these bible cults and these christian cults that's what they expect their children to do and like i think sometimes it does happen because not necessarily because their religion was air quotes right it was because their children had no social skills mm-hmm. or life mm-hmm. skills period mm-hmm. And they didn't know how to function outside the cult, which is totally understandable, which I see that. And like, they don't know how to deal with their emotions or anything, Mm -hmm. um, which is really just sad how they keep you so crippled emotionally and intellectually and psychologically as a person. So like, I think the, I think one of the big reasons to why I was able to get away and, you know, live a happier life was because I, you know, I was deconstructing and internally leaving why I was in the group for several years. Like when I was 17, mm-hmm. I was 17 when I started deconstructing. And, you know, I left when I was 21 and right before I turned 22. So several years of like raking it apart, trying to figure out what life was like on the outside and what different skills that I needed to make it on the outside, you know, and just networking on the outside, <laughs> because that was a big thing because you're yeah. so isolated, right. your whole network and your whole community is the cult, is the religion. Okay. So finding that community, that was a big thing okay. um, wow. for me, which then again, I know every circumstance is different <laughs> and that yeah. some things happen and people are just excommunicated or just like we said, oh, you're thrown down the steps of the church. Um, so I'm hoping too that like, cause I, I've researched different like organizations that specifically help people who've left cults and like, there's not many <laughs> that can help people in those situations. And I'm hoping that we can be start to see a need for that and help people who are in these situations. And I know, I know, yes. And I know we're about done with time, but I know Mm -hmm. that there are also a lot of people who will, who will start to want to then help people because they've left a call Mm -hmm. before they've gotten the help they need. And you can Mm -hmm. kind of hear it. I mean, there are times that people have started up a podcast and they've been interviewing me. And then I realize it turns into a therapy session. Oh, interesting. Asking me personally, well, how do I handle this when this comes up with my Mm -hmm. husband and my kid, this, and I'm still having trauma about this some nightmares. And Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, wow, this is probably um, better yeah. suited for us to be uh-huh. talking privately, but I realized yes. that um, they're needing still mm-hmm. to understand or to get support. Mm-hmm. But I think they felt like they had a mission. 
mm. just like they did in the group. They left having this yeah. other mission. And mm-hmm. I think you, yeah. that's fine and it's good to have yeah. a purpose, but you mm-hmm. got to get the support mm. along the way. And that's yeah. why it's good that you're saying, mm-hmm. oh, therapy helps. Yes, yeah, it does yes. so much. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, I think you need that, especially mm. if you're going to be putting yourself out there to help oh, other yes. people. You need to be able to handle mm. what they're throwing at you and going like, oh, oh my yeah. God, I can't handle it because I'm having the worst day myself. <laughs> Right. Um, so yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think it it does actually yeah. help a lot. And there are also some people who have left who still are a little mm-hmm. culty. I have to say, like people yeah. who who are big names in my field. I probably shouldn't say oh, this no. out loud. Who <gasps> oh no, who are very like um, competitive. They have to be the expert, like, and they have to be yeah. the one. And they mm-hmm. and I think because they were high level people in their group, yeah. and they're used to being high level people. Um, mm. And uh, so I just sidestep it. I'm, I'm mm. kind of good at going, okie doke, I'll go, yeah. I'll go this way. Cause I'm not going to mm-hmm. fight against, I'm not going to argue if you need to mm-hmm. be the yeah. number one expert on blah, fine. Mm. I'll be happy to call you that. Cause whatever, mm. I don't care. Okay, <laughs> fine. It works for you. <laughs> um, but it, but it's interesting to see people's issues coming out mm. in these, in, in this yeah. way, it's always going to happen, mm. but yeah, I'm glad does. you're getting support while you're supporting others. Oh, it's just the nicest way you. to go, I think. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. But thank this you. Thank you lovely. for Yeah, it has yes. been really nice. Thanks mm. for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you so much um for coming on this show. Of course. And thank you for everyone for listening and this was speaking up with Andrew Pledger. Thank you for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger. Your support is much appreciated. Please leave a review and share with friends and family. And if you can, please support me on Patreon. And the link is in my description. Thank you so much for listening to Speaking Up with Andrew Pledger.